It's Pet Chat on 2 and you are at FM 103.7. And we're talking about poison things in the garden today, Cheryl. We are. There's so many dangers in the garden that we really need to watch out for our pets. We mostly enjoy being outside in the garden, particularly when the weather's nice and, you know, it's not so hot. So people tend to go around starting to do their, you know, their maintenance in their yard. And one of the things that we often put down is our snail bugs, so, you know, for snails and slugs. And these baits are really, really toxic to dogs. So we make sure that um, when you are using them that you don't spread too much around or that you can actually cover them over so that your dogs can't get into them. Another problem that we often um, also come across is with dangerous chemicals, pesticides and weed killers. When we're using them, it's best to keep your pets inside because often, you know, these sprays can go onto your dog or your cat. And the other thing is that they do cause a lot of problems. They can cause drooling and vomiting, diarrhoea and tremors, even seizures. So keep those chemicals away when um, away from pets when you're not using them. But when you are using them, keep your pets away from those. Keep them inside. The other problem that we often get too is when we're using uh, fertilisers and compost, these... Um, dogs are really love to roll in them, Greg. They just get there and roll, and sometimes they eat it as well, which is pretty gross. They particularly like that bone meal, you know, the manures, those sort of things that um, they find really nice to eat. Good lunchtime chat as well. Oh, it is, yeah, yeah. And there's, some of these are mouldy, which also presents a problem because those toxins in the mould can really make the dogs very sick. So another problem with fertilisers is that they contain um, or some do contain really high levels of minerals and again that can cause you know if the dogs are eating them they can cause ulcers in the mouth and burning um, in, in you know, even um, liver damage things like that so you need to be really careful a common uh, mulch that is used is a cocoa bean mulch which is um, potentially lethal for dogs as well because it causes seizures it's um, it contains a, a just like in chocolates, it contains a theobromine, which really um, is quite dangerous to dogs. A lot of our dogs enjoy digging up and they do a lot of landscaping for us. But unfortunately, sometimes the plants die. But there's another problem. Dogs are really attracted attracted to bulbs under the ground so they dig them up so you need to be careful with this because most bulbs are really toxic to dogs so they dig they find them and then they start chewing them so that's really a concern for us there are a lot of plants that are poisonous there's a huge list of poisonous plants but fortunately most dogs don't eat them usually the problem is with a puppy who's you know sort of going through that teething stage they'll tend to chew on a few things so you just need to be really careful that if your dog is chewing a particular plant if you can sort of put a barricade around it or just make sure that the dog isn't chewing it because while some are mild others are potentially fatal so what do you do if you think your dog's chewed something? The best idea is to don't panic, okay? Try not to panic. And this is often something people go, oh, my dog's eaten something. You need to ring your vet. And if you don't have your vet's phone number or the emergency vet number in your phone, it's a good opportunity after the show to go and do that today because it will save time and it could save your pet's life. And often, you know, we do get a little bit stressed and just we need to get that animal to the vet as quickly as possible for treatment. If you know what the dog has eaten, take the, the packet or a part of the, the product or whatever along with you to the vet because this can sometimes help with the early or quick treatment if you know what um, you're dealing with. And even a sample of the vomit. Would you say a sample of the vomit's a good thing, David? Sometimes it can be because we might actually be able to see the uh, pellets or, you know, depending on what the, the 
matter of interest is. If mm-hmm. it's, for instance, the um, snail baits, we can actually see if that's been ingested. And um, sometimes that helps with identifying the actual toxin, particularly if people don't have the boxes that, you know, that the original product came in. Uh, so I guess the first thing is make sure you always keep a record of what you have put on your garden or put out in the yard. Um, and if you bring it along, um, sometimes people bring large samples of vomit. Um, <laughs> so we'll have a look. <laughs> Poor old Greg's loose. He's, uh, you're right. I'm glad I haven't eaten yet today. Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, look, it's always best the second time around. <laughs> That's, but it, it is that's really, what the dogs say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is really important, though, to make sure you do place all of those baits away. Anything that um, you've finished using, put away. Don't be complacent. And, you know, while you are in the garden, enjoy the beauty of your garden and enjoy owning a pet. So we've got Heath from Swansea, and he's got a question about sort of plants in the gardens. G'day, Heath. How are you, mate? Good. How can we help? Good. Yeah, mate, would, your dog be get, would your dog be getting crook off... Um, a oleander tree? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Um, I, I always remember when I went through university and I learnt about oleander, and that was a long time ago, and it amazed me that, you know, if you look for oleander in the community, do you know where it's mostly found? Around school. No. Around schools. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's a, a big, tall, shrubby thing that flowers well. And so, and it's actually, that's the most common place you'll find it is around schools. And um, it's toxic to kids as well, uh, not just dogs. But yes, it can now. The actual nature of the toxicity, I don't have, my memory banks are probably a bit slow there. Um, but yes, it definitely is toxic. Yeah, right. Because yeah, every now and then he just vomits up out the backyard just for no reason. Well, chewing, I mean, on it yeah, if you're finding um, leaf or bark or flowers in the in the vomit, then it certainly might be that. Um, but obviously vomiting is such a non-specific um, problem that it could be caused by any number of things. Um, so yeah. I, I wouldn't ignore that. But um, if it is a problem and it's it's uh, found in the vomiting, then certainly worth getting him checked out because, as I said, I just want to know what what other things it could do to you. Um, because he always seems fine after it. He seems he's vomited that thing he's all right yeah and it's just full of grass well a lot of dogs will vomit um as and they'll eat grass as a way to make themselves vomit some dogs just eat grass because they like the taste i guess and the texture um my dog eats a lot of grass but doesn't vomit but a lot of people will say oh if your dog eats grass it's because he wants to vomit yeah Sometimes I'll do that, and um, yes, it will make them vomit. It may or may not be a problem. Um, so, you know, if it if it's happening more frequently, you notice that, or if there's blood in the vomit, um, then that'd certainly be something to get checked out because there may be an underlying cause, and he's just eating the grass anyway. Um, so, yeah. So just keep an eye on him, and certainly if it is, if you notice it starts to get a bit more frequent, I'd I'd get him checked out, make sure there's not something else going on. Okay, no worries. Alrighty. Thanks, Heath. Thanks, bud. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Heath. It is Pet Chat on 2NURFM. Any questions? 49216216. And I suppose, because oh, with dogs vomiting, like what's concerning about that is, oh, I don't know, actually, to be able to be honest. Lots, lots of things. Um, because, you know, it could be um, simple gastritis and um, 
when I say simple gastritis, I think there's also the complicated ones. But there can also be things like foreign objects in their stomach. You know, a lot of yep. dogs go around and they chew on a lot of things. And if they swallow and it sits in their stomach, it could uh, cause an obstruction. And um, items that are in the stomach can sometimes be there for quite a while. I mean, there's been stories in um, dogs where we've retrieved items at surgery when the dog's deteriorated and it turns out, you know, it's been, the item has been missing for like three years. And certainly I've seen a number of dogs where we've found um, that there's been an, an object that's been in their gut for that period of time. But if it causes an, obstru an obstruction, yeah, it's a serious thing. And sometimes there's a medical cause. And obviously if we see an older dog that's vomiting, then we're going to be worried. Does it have, um, you know, does it have an inflammatory bowel disease? Does it have a type of cancer that could be causing that? Uh, there's a lot of infectious diseases, viruses that can cause vomiting. So uh, it's not something that we can just say, oh, if they're vomiting, this is what it is. I think we have to look more broadly. Um, so maybe the oleander plan is a problem for Heath there, but it could just be that his dog is, um, uh, you know, eating grass, making himself vomit. That's not a problem, but... Certainly, if it's more frequent, I would be concerned. That's quite regularity with most dogs, isn't it? Eating grass to... Yeah, they don't. No? No, no I'd probably... From my side of the fence, I think a lot of dogs... You know, I talk to a lot of dog owners um, every day, and uh, their dogs eat grass and don't vomit just as much as dogs eat grass and do vomit. So, yeah. Okay. I was a bit concerned about that plant at schools, if it's toxic <laughs> to dogs and kids. I, seriously, it is. <laughs> That's one of the uh, smartest of things you would imagine... Are they still around, schools? Yeah. Or? We're talking about government decisions. Is that what you're referring to? I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Helen from Cahiba, and she's got a behavioural question. Hi, Helen. Hello, how are you? Not bad. How can we help you today? Well, I've got a little poodle foxy cross. She's mm -hmm. 18 months old. She has access into the home overnight through the doggy door so she can get out overnight um, and I have her most of the time sleeping with me mm. but when she does sleep with me she poos inside mm. she won't do it when I'm home like you know when we're not in bed when I'm awake mm. she doesn't wee it's only pooing in the lounge room when she's sleeping with me even though she has access to outside mm. any ideas why should we be doing that because it's easy yeah, um, I thought, or she's lazy. Well, not so much lazy, not so much lazy, because she'll do yep. it. She'll do it. She doesn't do it during the day. Um, so I don't think it's it's not laziness. It's mm. uh, just because she doesn't understand the boundaries of that behaviour and mm. the appropriateness. Now they're very. They're very human adult concepts, aren't they? You know, talking yes. about boundaries and appropriateness. So it kind of stands to reason that a dog doesn't get it because um, yep. kids, you know, can behave the same way at times. Um, but it does mean that it's now incumbent on you, on you to do some yep. training and yep. to establish some patterns of behaviour. So to some extent, this toileting, if it's, um, you know, if it's uh, urge as in, I have diarrhea and I need to get outside, um, but I just don't make it, then that could actually be, you know, something that we need to address from a medical... Yeah, it's never been the case. It's no? It's never been diarrhea. It's just... Right. 
Yeah, a yeah, lot, lot harder to clean up. That's right. So she uh, wouldn't be sleeping in the bedroom. She doesn't do it all the time, but a lot of the time. So she's uh, is she on the bed itself? Yes. So she gets off the bed, leaves the room. Leaves the room. It's always in the lounge room. Goes to, outside of the right. room. Yep. Then it's through the kitchen, through the meals area, into the doggy door. So it is close to the bedroom. Right, okay. Is Are you able to block that area off? No. Okay. Um, you could, uh, what I would suggest, there's a couple of things, but essentially I think it'll be a training thing. And that is to make yep. sure that she, first of all, goes to the toilet last thing at night, first thing in the morning. Yeah, try that, but that doesn't work right. If she's too interested in hunting, I'll stand out there for That's 20 okay. minutes with her and, give um, her, yes, yep. give her the opportunity. Um, the other thing is that, um, if at all you're up during the night is to make sure that she also goes outside as well. Yep. And, um, if my, my approach, I'm just thinking from, if I, if I was in your shoes, what would I be doing is I would be, um, trying to make sure she can't get access to that area. Yep. Um, and yep. you know, you might have to, if you haven't got a door or anything, which you said, is to probably get some um, baby gates to yep. block that yep. area off if you she can. She has to go through that, though, to Does get she? to the doggy to get out. Yeah, so maybe I just should not have a sleeping with me. We might have to have a period of time where she's uh, either blocked off in the laundry so she can yep. sleep inside on a bed, on her yep. bed, but then access yep. to outside, yes. Um, yeah, so when she is locked there, she doesn't do it, unless it's raining. Wow. Mm. She wow. doesn't like going out in the rain. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the behaviour during the day and then, you know. If she's yeah, compared the... to when she's at night mm. sleeping with me. That's yeah. right. When I do lock her into that area, she doesn't do it. I think it's... she's right near the doggy door. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, if it, if you're pretty sure that it's not that she's, you know, struggling to get out the door. How how old is she? She's 18 months. Oh, you did say that, yes. Yeah. Um So, you know, this is a dog that... Uh, should know where to go, and she's just going, ah, this is as good as That's anywhere. Right. You know, yep. so for her, it's yep. just like, yeah, this will do. Um, right. So we might have to shift her so that she gets used to a habit of uh, going to the toilet outside. Yep. And then if if that's okay and it's working okay, we can try to bring her back in closer. But uh, you might find this becomes a permanent thing. But, mm. you know, you could try it and then go back to the laundry and yep. back and forth. Yep. So. Yep. Just work on that a little bit. And you've only got, you don't have any other animals? No, I do mind other little dogs, though. Yeah, but not, not uh, over... Quite often, but not myself, no. N- not overnight? Yes, for sometimes weeks at a time. Oh, okay. But then I have them, I don't have them. Oh, occasionally I have them in with me, and <laughs> I can't remember if she does it then. That might be changing mm. things, because she might uh, might just think, well, this is my place, I'll just... Go wherever I like. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and particularly because she's sleeping in the bedroom with you as well. Yep. So I think probably the idea of putting her back to the laundry is a good yes. idea. Is a good one. Yeah. Okay. All Thank right. Thank you for your help. Give us a call back in a month or so and let us know I how will. you're going. Good on you. Thank you, Thanks, Thanks, Helen. Bye. Bye. It's a little bit concerning. Well, yes, I think we all go through phases like that with our dogs if we... I thought Train. you meant just us individually. <laughs> Train, training, training them, training them to uh, you know the appropriateness of the behaviour, uh, and it's not the dog's fault. They don't, they don't know. It's not a right or wrong thing. Yeah. It's just what do I do? 
So going the old-fashioned way of rubbing their nose in it yeah, does no, nothing. Yeah, no, it does nothing. It just means now you've got to clean the dog's nose and the carpet. Fair so, point. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they come along and nuzzle into everything and spread it all over. No, you don't want that. So, no, just I, th- I think the idea of um, what we try and do is to set, you know, set up boundaries, you know, with like I always refer to kids because I think the the thinking is often as, as uh, simple. There's no there's no hidden agenda, right? So actually with dogs, it's like, well, can I go here? Yeah, I'll go here, right? Because they don't understand that that's off out of bounds. Yeah. And she can't actually separate that area as out of bounds. So we're going to have to go back to the laundry, which I think is fine because then the dog will get used to going outside. Yeah. And maybe we can bring her back. But the key to this is that it's... Uh, Follow through and habit forming is that you've got to persist. Yep. So it's going to take a month, at least one month, um, for that habit to instill. And even then it might fail. We don't know. There's no guarantee. But at least you won't have to clean up the carpet for a month. True. That's, yeah. that's, a, big, that's a big tick. <laughs> that's, that's a big, big tick. <laughs> that's right. And we've got Leela from Fletcher, and her cat seems to be sneezing. Hi, Leela. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Not bad now. How can we help you today? Um, I'm fostering my daughter's two cats. I think I'm fostering. I don't think I've adopted them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them sneezes, not all the time, um, just on the odd occasion. And he's not sick or anything, and he eats and he jumps around and everything. Is this a problem? How old is he? Oh, um... Like, is he a kitten, less than one? Or? No, no, no. He's a, Oh, no, no, he's older than one. He's probably... Um, two or three years old or something. Mm. And how long have you or your daughter had the cats? Oh, we've had them since they've been little bubs. Yeah, since since it's been a little kitten. And I spoke to her the other week and she said, oh, no, he used to do that on the odd occasion. And she did take him to the vet and the vet said, no, some cats just sneeze. Mm. Um, You know, and so... yeah, I just thought I'll give you a ring and see if I have to do something about yeah, it. Yeah, no, fair enough. And um, what sort of cat is he? Just a, oh, it's moggy? a black cat. Yeah, <laughs> not not a uh, pushed-in face cat. Like no, a he's just a beautiful black cat. Okay. Just gorgeous. Yeah, just normal. Um, it's possible he could. I mean, there are, there are a number of things that can cause sneezing, and it's an involuntary reaction to irritation in his uh, upper airways. Um, yep. There is, interestingly, and this is pretty rare, but some, you know, some people sneeze when they look at bright light. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know if that happens in cats, but it's uh, some sort of strange link in the brain that when you get bright light coming through your eyes, it actually can trigger sneezing. So obviously okay. there's a brain reflex as well. Um, and there is even being described uh, forms of epilepsy where the patient oh. is just sneezing. So... You know, look, they're the kind of rare things. The more common things we see in cats and why I asked about the age and so on is mm-hmm. uh, cat flu. So this yep. is um, a collection of uh, infectious agents, herpes virus and uh, virus, mostly that can cause um, irritation, infection of the upper airways, sometimes of the eyes. If there's any sort of discharge at all, Yep, no. No, just clear? No, there's nothing, because I sort of thought that. I checked all that. Excellent. No, he just sneezes. He just sneezes. I sort of, I mean, I sneeze a lot, and I, I thought maybe he's just allergic to something here or yeah, something it's gets un- up his nose or something. And Yeah. 
Yeah, we don't often see allergies with sneeze like cats that are sneezing where we diagnose allergies because you really have to rule out everything else. Right. So if we if we're pretty sure that we don't have an infectious problem and they're vaccinated and so on, yep. um, then I would also be considering um, if there's any irritation in those airways, and that can sometimes be um, a little bit of dust or grass. Or I have seen mm -hmm. um, blades of grass go inside cats' noses and sometimes sit okay. in there. If that happens, right. you would usually get a, a pretty mucky discharge, though. So that kind of doesn't really fit. Um, no. The other thing, what was the other thing I was just thinking about? Oh, yeah, you can get actually a mite, that like a little bug that crawls around in their airways. All right, yep. They're pretty hard to find and to diagnose, and they really need to have a, um, a what's called a rhinoscopy, which is where we pass a camera under anaesthetic. We pass a camera into the nasal passages, and sometimes we can find them that way. It's pretty easily treated, and it may be worth just talking to you about, about you know, Okay, so if... Should if we just treat it anyway? Yep. If he's got that, how often would he be sneezing then? I've, sort I, of thing. I've, I've rarely seen the disease, so I, oh, would okay. think, I would think at least a couple of times, if not more, a day. Oh, okay. All right. But it's pretty okay. variable because it's not that common a disease. Right. Okay. So, well, I shall talk to my daughter and we shall deal with it. Yeah. There is an easy treatment for that. But as I said, it's kind of hard to diagnose. And barring that, then you're right. Your vet's right. It might just be a cat that likes to sneeze. But yeah. just have a look around. <laughs> and if you're spraying anything or, you know, some um, any air propellants around could sometimes. Yep. Perfumes can trigger it off as well. Uh, oh. Anything like that if you've... Um, got uh you know incense and things like that yep, can also right. they can be quite dangerous to cats actually okay. so yeah no uh, i don't have that yeah but have a chat anyway about the okay. idea of you know whether it could be mites and do you need to look at a quick treatment for that or obviously if there's any discharge then you'd need to investigate okay. further super thank All you right. very much no worries good on you Leela. thanks okay bye bye on the plus side Leela could always just film it and put it on youtube People love seeing cats and, sneeze. And what? And loop it. Yeah. Yeah. For about five minutes. To Maybe. a soundtrack. Yeah, she gets, she gets some advertising on that. Yeah. yeah I think Leela's probably thinking that right you're, now. You're full of ideas, <laughs> aren't you, Greg? <laughs> okay. well, they're not all good ideas, but it's an idea nevertheless. It's an idea. No, that's right. We've got Terry now from Rutherford, and he's got a staffy that's eight months old and keeps on digging holes. G'day, Terry. How you going, mate? Not bad, yeah. not bad. You got a staffy that's digging holes. I got an English staffy bitch. Yeah, but he keeps digging holes in my yard and in my garden, uh, and I don't want to smack her or anything. But yeah. I just want to know how to make her stop. Plant trees. Um, yeah, like that is it. <laughs> eight month old staffy that's digging holes. Look, what you've got there is a dog that is really needs a lot of stimulation, and without yep. that being around. She's just going to make her own fun. Uh, oh, okay. The ground's there. Let's see what's underneath it. And um, so she'll just run around and dig and dig and dig. And it's really exciting because as you dig down, you get lots of different smells. And all of that is just feeding into that uh, level of, uh, you know, stimulation that she needs from her environment. So what you need to be looking at is to, and this is partly a breed thing, partly an age thing, partly a dog thing, 
is that they require lots of stimulation. We call it um, environmental enrichment. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you'll see if you go into um, pretty much any vet, any good pet store, you're going to find a whole range of things that are, are designed mm. to keep your dog occupied. And yep. my, um, my experience is that um, you get what you think is the best thing and the dog's not interested in it. And then you get the next yeah. thing and they go, um, yeah, I kind of like that for about a month. And then they, so you end up having to just redo this all the time. Um, you can't give them one activity. You need to yep. have a multiple things. Um, and a staffy at eight months, they've got so much energy. So plenty of walks. If you can, yep. a couple of walks a day, you know, first thing in the morning. Um, that's the good thing about owning an eight-month-old Staffy is it gets you out as well. And um, and then when you get home, just take them for another shorter walk, throw the ball, uh, you know, playing with ropes, things like that. Um, the, yep. If you get the Kongs, you know, those really hard rubber yeah, yeah. things, they've got a hole yep. in the middle. You can pack that with food, wrap it up in plastic. I smear a bit of Vegemite on each end of it because it's like a... Yep a tunnel, wrap it in plastic, yep. put it in your freezer, and then you get mm. it out the next day, give it to them, and it um, keeps them going for hours and hours. All right. I'll try that. Lots Thanks of things. Thanks very much, buddy. Give it a go. Good on you, mate. Okay. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. And we're almost out of time for another week. Time flies. It does. Oh, so quickly. Yeah. But I had some information well, we for can, you. We can get to that right now if you'd like. Oh, excellent. It's excellent. about rat, Wolf. rat sack. Yes, well, look, as I said, following on from uh, Cheryl's uh, topic du jour, uh, talking about poisons and pesticides and plants and so on. So one of the more common ones that we see is uh, rat bait poisoning, and we've had a couple of recent cases, one particularly bad recently, that required quite intensive treatment. Um, and basically most rat bait, there's different types, um, but the ones we're most common uh, refer to and, and see are these warfarin type that stop the blood from clotting. And um, warfarin is what we call a first generation. Now, we've moved on now. We're up to the third generation, which means it's a bit more toxic. Um, a smaller quantity is required. If you had warfarin poisoning, which um, a lot of people take warfarin tablets, it's, you actually have to take them every day uh, okay. for them to work yep. to stop you getting um, clots in your blood. But... Um, what happens with these, uh, they're called also a single shot. So the compounds most commonly used are uh, bromodilone and brodificum. And basically what they do is they stop the recycling of the protein in the blood that's responsible for clotting. So because it's stopping the recycling, the proteins have to be used up first, which means that, say, my dog ate rat bait today, he's not going to get sick for another two to three days. Oh, okay. So a lot of people ring us up and they go, oh, he ate the rat bait this morning, but now he seems okay, so I wasn't worried. And then they ring us eight hours later and we go, oh, well, it's too late, for yep. instance, to make him vomit. Um, you know, that's not good. So if your dog actually does ingest this bait, um, you really need to get them seen as quickly as possible so we can decontaminate them. Uh, and if we can get that toxin out of their body... Um, there's a good chance that even we might need to add in some treatment, but there's a pretty good chance that um, they're, they're going to be fine. Now, if they actually have ingested it, say, a week ago or something, what happens is they'll actually start to bleed into various parts of their body. 
and um, I've seen talking about dogs vomiting today. I remember a case I saw that was actually a dog that presented with vomiting, normal vomiting, white fluid, which then progressed to blood. And before I know it, he was bleeding into his lungs and into his stomach, and he survived with treatment. Um, but it started just with vomiting, so that was a bit of a strange one. Mm. Um, now, if they get to that stage, we can treat them, but we're not always successful. So, again, prevention is most important. Um, but the treatment we used uh, is things like blood transfusions, uh, plasma transfusions, which replace the proteins, and vitamin K therapy. Now, a lot of people think vitamin K is all that's needed, but when they're really bad, we need to do all of that other stuff. And the vitamin K therapy, we need to continue for sometimes up to 12 weeks. Okay. So try not to let it happen. I'll try not to. I'll have to cut you off. Sorry, David. It's very interesting, but I'll have to cut you off. I'm done. Done and, <laughs> done and dusted. It's been a good chat. Good chat today. We've covered Thanks, Craig. vomits and diarrhea during the yep. lunch period. So Absolutely. Enjoyable for everyone. I'll catch you two next Love week. It. No worries. Yes. Okay. Beautiful. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>